What have you been up to, Shane? I know we were talking a little bit earlier about you've got some cool stuff happening in the neighborhood. Got some cool stuff happening. Yeah, at your you might. Place. I mean, you might hear like some cats <laughs> meowing in the apartment. I don't have really good like sound isolation right now, so there might be cats or like our our walls are pretty thin, and there are people like yelling outside, maybe at each other in a threatening manner, <laughs> uh, as they are wont to do occasionally. Um, but uh, so, man, I'm trying to think like when the last time we did this was. It has to be like two years ago. Um, I know that I was definitely in South Carolina still, so it, it was been more than three years. Yeah. And so in between there, at some point, our, my house caught on fire. Oh yeah. I remember that. Um, That's almost been a year ago. It was on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. We just went to see, <laughs> we just went to see the McElroy brothers, like at podcast live or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I guess the important thing there is like, no one got hurt. No, uh, not like not. Well, nobody got killed. I know you had some. I had some, some burning injuries. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, I had some burns and stuff, and it sucked. But fight the fire. Yeah, yeah. I but, I don't have any major complexes. Although I do have like two or three fire extinguishers in the house now. I bought some for the house. That's just that's just good common sense. Yeah, one came with the house, which I was like, that's super considerate of you guys. And then we figured out that the oven doesn't have like an overhead vent or like fan or anything ah yeah 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 so i don't know this apartment that we're in is kind of weird it has its own other set of problems (laughs) hey as long as it doesn't catch on fire um you know i'm doing my best you'll probably you'll probably be all right (laughs) i'm doing my best at this point but um recently i actually uh built a new computer i got a bonus at work and i'd been needing i had a laptop for a little bit um it was, I think it was also an Asus laptop, but it had it, um, an i7, I think it was an 8700 as well, uh, 1550 Ti, uh, terabyte hard drive, I think 16 gigs of RAM. So, I mean, it was nice, but that 1050 Ti kind of held me back. Um, so recently I went out to Micro Center, uh, which is always awesome when you get to finally like go out and like, oh, let's buy a bunch of shit. Let's go do it. <laughs> you have to order your stuff now because you don't have, you might have a micro center down there. I don't know. No, no micro centers. But you know what? You might be surprised at the stuff um, available at your local Best Buy. Okay. I don't All know right. the last time you stepped into a Best Buy, but like uh, if, if you want to go poke around at like a gaming keyboard or a gaming mouse, or they actually like the one is the here, price point good? I didn't really check, but I well the good thing with Best Buy is they do price matching. Oh yeah, you can get them to price match Amazon. And Newegg, I want to say. So, like, those are going to be your biggest uh, price kind of uh, benchmarks. Oh, sure, yeah. So, yeah, like, if you want to go put your hand on a new mouse or on a keyboard or even, like, a headset, like the gaming headsets, which I think maybe are a waste of money, but... Yeah, yeah I've got one in a... Whatever. Dude, I'm still rocking, like, basically the sound stuff when we first started recording. It's still rocking the same headphones, and it's doing just fine for me so. yeah you seem to be having a good go at it i think now that i have the soundboard set back up that's how i'm going to do everything from now on uh, i got a boom mic set up because i think i threw away those arms that we had when, when they're in the fire because they got like fucking bent up there a bunch of firefighters went in there and kicked all my computer <laughs> stuff around when the fire happened <laughs> whatever i mean i had insurance so i guess i'm fortunate in that regard there are a lot of people that uh have an incident like that and there's nothing that they can do. But anyway, this uh, new computer, let's get back on the computer part. Well, yeah, because uh, you had that laptop for a while, so we were gaming a little bit, but it seemed like it was 
a compromise. Yeah, it was, it was. And I was like sub 60 most of the time, but it was so close to 60 that it was upsetting that I couldn't get to a good stable frame rate. And it would play everything at like decent. I mean, it would play like Forza Horizon, the most recent one. It played Apex Legends. It did all that, but it was just sub 60. Um, and it was like 52 or something weird like that. So it like, mm. wasn't close enough to where it felt good to play it. It's like, man, I might as well just play this on PlayStation if I'm going to do that. You hate to see that. Um, yeah. So the I'm looking at some of the specs you've got here. The i7, um, 8700K. So that's like the six core with hyper threading. Yeah. So your task manager shows 12 cores, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then the interesting part here is your video card. You've got the 1660 Ti. Yeah, it's one of those new Turing chipsets from NVIDIA. Um. I don't, I mean, it's like six gig, but I don't know what, I don't know how it, it differentiates itself um, from the 1060. I just know it is the stopgap between the 1060 and the 1070, which I think is around 80 bucks more. Well, it's, it's from my understanding, it's actually a little bit different. Um, is it? So the previous, like the current generation are not called GTXs. They're called RTXs oh, sure. because of the, the ray, ray tracing. tracing. Yeah, sure. And so I think it's essentially an RTX 2060, but it doesn't have the ray tracing stuff baked into it. So it's like their new chipset and everything, but it doesn't have some of the ray tracing chips in it. Hmm. And that's why it's not like... A, so the previous generation were the GTX 1060. Yeah. They had like a 1060, 1070, 1080. They had a, a 1070 Ti. So this is kind of like a, a middle, like almost like a point in between the two generations of like the GTX 1060 and the RTX 2060, where it's got this, it's called a 1660, which it's really, it's really easy to be confused. But yeah, I it certainly seems am. like it's kind of the <laughs> new um, value point. Yeah. So it was what, like around 250, 300, somewhere in that range? I think it was about correct? 270 when I bought it. So um, I know I had shared an article with you the other day about, uh, I can't remember what the website was, but they kind of went back and looked at some of the really popular video cards of yesterday. And I'm still running a GTX 970. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of looked at that and compared it to some of the more current cards and did a bunch of benchmarks and yada, 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 to kind of say, like, do you need to upgrade? Do you not? Um, they were kind of like silly benchmarks because they're running everything at, like, ultra settings. Which yeah, sure. Which you do with, like, a five-year-old card. Exactly. Like, you know, this card is still kicking. It's still going to get around 60 frames in a lot of these games. Um, but that, like, the 970 was commonly referred to as, like, a really good bang-for-your-buck card because it was around that $250, $300 point. Um, it wasn't the yeah, and that was like a that was a beast card when it came out. I mean, I remember you could run pretty much anything at the time, couldn't you? A pretty yeah. decent uh, fidelity. I haven't run into any problems with anything today. Like I use um the GeForce experience to like auto adjust settings, and then I'll kind of tweak them from there if I want to. Yeah, but anything new, like um, I'm trying to think of some of the most I don't know, like. Uh, PUBG, Apex, like some of that stuff is not super demanding graphically, but you kind of want that high frame rate. Um, Wolfenstein, all that stuff that I've been uh, like played relatively recently. Even Destiny 2, uh, I know is like I'm only playing at 1080p. I only have a 1080p monitor, so it's not like it's 1440p or 4K or anything crazy. But yeah, 
for what I have, it's it's running pretty well. And I've got one of those 144 hertz monitors. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. So yeah, I kind of like downgrade the settings a little bit so I can get a faster refresh rate. But um, I'm curious to see how um, like the GeForce Experience auto adjust stuff. Are you running that on your system now? Yeah, I am. I wasn't before uh, because our buddy Chad was like, I never install it because sometimes it'll give you issues with games, which I have had before with having that thing installed. Occasionally it will, it does some weird stuff where it's like you'll get blue screened on it because of some brand new beta driver it's installed instead of something that's a stable build. But I did kind of look at some of the settings and I, I haven't gone kind of further in depth uh, on what I can do with it, but I, I think I've optimized most of the games in there, which can be like a good or bad thing in that system from what I've seen. It's not like a exact science. Yeah, well, like, for example, um, I want to say Diablo 3, it was trying to do that super sampling thing where it will render it at a much higher resolution and then kind of like shrink it down. Mm-hmm. And so it was just running like shit and... I looked at the optimization thing. I was like, well, why is it trying to run, like basically render it at like 4K? Like this doesn't make sense. So I turned I turned that off. I think I just went back to kind of like sane settings. Mm-hmm. And I had the same issue with uh, Apex, Apex Legends, where it was like Apex was defaulting on its own to middle settings, but pretty good. And it ran well and it looked nice. And the GeForce experience just like tanked all the settings. It's like, no, no, no turn everything off or way down. I was like, well, what's the point of that? It just, it didn't seem like it was running any better. It definitely didn't look better. So sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. The The main benefit of that is just the ease of like the driver installation. And it does give you a good baseline, I think, of where to start. So. Oh, sure. Again, I'm yeah, kind of curious a lot to of that, see how um... that 1660, uh, how that plays out with some of the stuff and kind of like what frames you're getting and sort of like the fidelity settings that it's it's suggesting i guess yeah it's um so far it's been mainly uh all the games have been on higher ultra um at 1080 uh resolution so i mean i don't have anything i I don't have a 1440 monitor so i guess like that's good it's frames have been I think on Apex, everything was on high and everything was up as high as I could take it, except for like the virtual memory. I had to go, you go up to whatever the highest your card can handle, obviously. Uh, but it was like running at, I think, 120 to 140 frames damn. per second. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty damn good. My, yeah, I mean, my monitor is not even good enough to take advantage of a lot of that speed. Um, so my, I guess my other question about your build, what kind of, uh, what kind of hard drive did you go with an SSD? Did you go with like one of those new, uh, NVMe drives or what'd you do there? No, I did get a, I did get a solid state drive. Just one of those really simple, cheap ones. It, man, it was like the, it's almost as thick as like, uh, trying to think like, uh, uh, like an RFID card that you'd use to get into work or something. It was so thin. I couldn't believe it. And it like was it looked like the most cheaply made thing ever, but I popped it in and it works. So I was like, whatever. Um, it would cost me. I think I think is what is the what are the um, amounts? It wasn't a two fifty six, but like it was five twelve. Maybe one twenty eight. Trying to think. Yeah, I, th- I feel like it was like four hundred something for some reason. 
Yeah, sometimes the SSDs, like the flash memory stuff, can get into weird denominations. Yeah, I felt like it was like 456 or 480 or some weird <laughs> fucking number. It probably isn't. I'm probably just imagining that. But um, I got that. It was like close to 500 gigs. And then I got a two terabyte hard drive uh, for right now. And my internet is kind of so fast at this point. I think I'm, I have uh, 500 megabit um, down. Uh, and so if I don't, want something on the hard drive i just delete it and re-download it because it doesn't yeah. take that much time at all um uh there <laughs> i've got i've got rgb ram and that master Ooh, cooler that, yeah uh and so that looks pretty silly i've got a also an rgb keyboard mouse and headset so <laughs> watt and i um are really we're really like at the same time kind of building computers because we all like kind of pitched into to help get him uh, a rig and then I ended up giving him that old 1060 that was in that broke ass PC from the fire, and it works. <laughs> so, oh, nice! Hell yeah. yeah, yeah, that worked out for him. But uh, he's like, "Man, this RGB shit's cool." And I was like, "I didn't want to tell anybody, but I kind of like it too." Because <laughs> I've been, I haven't had a good computer for so long. I missed when that like first started happening, and when it was maybe in it, the only time it was like cool, quote unquote, or like exciting. And I was just like, oh, "I'm just gonna buy all this colored shit." Well, and, I remember back in the day, like. Around the time we got out of high school and into college, like 2004, 2005, um, cases started coming out with windows in them was big. Like case modders were putting windows in cases and I was like, oh, fuck. And so then they started getting like the cold cathode tubes mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't even think they really had like LED strips yet. So No, I don't think so either. This was like proto RGB and... I can't remember who made it, but there was like a, a, a pure acrylic case. So it was all clear. Oh and so my you can have like all kinds of fucking crazy lights in there. And at the time I was like, oh man, this looks so cool, but I could never do it. Because it was actually pretty fucking expensive too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, it was back when there, we were still, everyone was still infatuated with like neons and cars and stuff. Yeah. Which, I mean... People it was pretty cool, people, was, yeah, pretty, it was, it was pretty cool time. Yeah, it was pretty cool time. It's like, I'm going to listen to my 3-6 Mafia albums and put these neons under my oh, car. Yeah. <laughs> well, now the RGB stuff is so crazy because, like you said, there's... I have RGB RAM as well, but it was because it was like the same cost as... Uh, it's almost hard to find non-RGB RAM, honestly. I paid $10 more for mine, which is whatever. I mean... <laughs> but see, I don't even have a window in my case. So it's kind of oh, like, oh, gotcha. uh, what's the point? Every time that I... Uh, um, I was doing some troubleshooting and I've got one of those fractal design cases. So they have covers yeah. over a lot of the fan spots to kind of cut down on noise. And I was trying to do troubleshooting to find out if like heat was causing my system to reset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took a bunch of the covers off. And I see just light on, you know, like the shelf next to it and stuff. I'm like, what in the fuck is that light? And it was pulsing. And I remembered, oh, yeah, my RGB RAM, I have it set to like a, like a heartbeat or like a pulse type of pattern. Yeah. It's blue because <laughs> I mean, blue is one of my favorite colors. So I was like, oh, that's what it was. So it's just it's one of those funny things. But now they've got like RGB mouse pads, RGB headphone stands with like a USB plug in them. Uh, um, so that's kind of too much for me maybe rgb on the motherboards rgb ram yeah. have you seen those cool like jewel quote-unquote style ram i can't remember who makes it but the heat spreader on the ram sticks has like a like a crushed acrylic or like glass type of texture on the top no. so the L- leds beneath it 
um, it looks like it's a bunch of jewels on top of it. Oh, it actually wild. it actually looks pretty cool. Um, I don't think I could pull that off either. Again, I don't have a window in my case, and my case sits on the ground. So, yeah, maybe when I make a new desk, uh, might think it, about doing it. Have yeah, get a new case, have it sit up on the desk, and have like a big window in it, and just be obnoxious as hell with it. So. Get that crystal, get that crystal ram. Yeah, it's kind of neat. I got about like a twenty inch piece of tempered glass on the side of mine. So it looks really nice. It's like a huge difference from having a plastic side, like mm-hmm. plastic plexiglass side to it. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, I'm really proud of it. I, it's the first time I've done decent cable management on a, a PC before. And I, uh, I was able to put the build together in one night and I got it done right before I needed to go to bed. So I couldn't test anything, which is <laughs> kind of how that goes sometimes. And you know, the funny part about that is that. That night when I was going to get that CPU, you told me to get the processor fan and I didn't get one and I got home and it didn't have one. And I was like, fuck, I got to drive clear. The fuck. I got to luckily I was like 20 minutes away from the store, but I had to drive all the way out there. And the guy's like, we just saw you. And I was like, I forgot my uh, processor fan. He's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky. I was able to reuse it. Um, it, was like, it was probably a year and a half, two years ago now at this point when I went to uh, build a new system. Uh, I had a motherboard die. And so I just decided to build a new system. Um, and luckily I was able to reuse it like the Cooler Master. Hyper yeah, you recommended that one to me and I really like that. It's like the air that's coming out of the back of my PC is like cold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Couldn't so, believe it. I actually recently upgraded some of my case fans with the uh, Noxua brand. They are maybe the ugliest fans because they're like a taupe and flesh tone color. Combo. I saw something about that, but they're super <laughs> silent, right? Yeah, they they like move a lot of air, and they're really they're pretty quiet. It's if you read the box, there's all kinds of oh, well, we have this little fin here, we have these little bumps on the blades here. I don't know how much it really impacts it, but I don't have them spinning super fast. But it seems like they uh, it seems like they're doing their job, so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I saw a um, review of how to like kind of soundproof your computer build because I was thinking about that considering my situation here. I don't have really good soundproofing. Uh, and instead of building like a PVC cage for me to be in with a curtain on it, uh, I was thinking about trying to dampen some of that computer noise. Um, but then I just got to the point where I was, I'm just going to cut it and post whatever. Fuck it. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I mean, I'm glad. I I think everyone, if of course, if I know it's not like the cheapest thing, but I think everyone should have a good gaming PC. Uh, it's just I don't know. I prefer it to the consoles. I I do too. Now that I have one, I can't talk shit about it anymore because I'm enjoying myself <laughs> too much. And I actually was able to get um I was able to give Cat my girlfriend access to my Steam library, and so she's been playing a bunch of PC games, and she's never been a PC gamer. And she's like, this is so weird with this computer and mouse. And I was like, well, plug the c- controller in. There you go. You're mm-hmm. good to go. Yeah, I, I still have a, I think it's a 360 controller. It might be an Xbox One controller. I don't remember. Yeah, it's an Xbox One controller. But I still have one sitting on my desk with the little uh, wireless adapter uh, for when I'm playing something like, I think the last time I used it when I was playing like Just Cause. It's like, mm-hmm. well, this is obviously designed for consoles, so use a controller. But uh I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better controller for a PC uh, to use. I think the Xbox One controller is maybe one of the best controllers I've ever used in terms of uh, the responsiveness of it, the rumble triggers, and 
uh, just how good it feels to use it. The only thing I would like to change, I would like to have one of the elite controllers. Sure. With like the back paddles and some of the cool um, like uh, trigger stops and stuff like that. Yeah, they're like 150 bucks or something. Yeah, they're a little pricey. So for a controller, when I'm still using uh, almost a 10 year old mouse, it's kind of like, eh, maybe. Sure. And if you're going to shell out the 150, like maybe go to the 200 and get one of those scuff controllers that are even more customizable. Eh, Well, I've looked into those scuff controllers. They're kind of they're a little (laughs) bit of a hack job, in my opinion. Oh, really? Yeah, they're not bad, but they're a little bit of a hack job. Um, I think the Microsoft, the the Elite controllers are mm-hmm. just better. It's a little bit better designed. So I don't know. If that's the way I wanted to go. I think that's what I would do, especially considering that it would be for my computer. So um, so you've been playing anything on your new computer, Shane? Yeah, I mean, I guess to, to mention the Xbox controller again, I've been playing the, the Sekiro Shadows Die Twice game, that new From Software joint. Um, and that has been really interesting, kind of a feudal Japan setting. You are a, uh, shinobi type character. Um, uh, reminds me a lot of, uh, that old game Tenchu, um, Stealth Assassin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly. Man, I haven't um, played that in a long time. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you can stealth through a lot of these encounters, um, and try not to aggro any of the enemies. And get through a decent amount of stuff by just avoiding packs of enemies entirely. But the way that the combat kind of differs from a standard from game is that you are using, you're kind of more aggressive and using uh, parrying to break the stance and posture of somebody that is attacking you. And once you break that stance, then you open them up for a like killing blow. And regular enemies will go down with like one of those. Hmm. And elite enemies might take two or three of those to kill them. And some enemies you can, uh, like bigger bosses, you can come up behind and stealth and get one of those bars down immediately by just stealth attacking them. And making it a little bit easier on you uh, the second round. Uh, it is a lot of pattern recognition um, in the way that you're approaching the enemies. Which is, you know, definitely in the same vein as a lot of the other games that they've made. Um, but, uh, I'm liking the, the environment and story is really cool. It's challenging in a way that is like pretty brutal, but once it's like any from game, once you get kind of the rhythm down of what is going on, you, you can figure it out. And once you beat it, that challenge is, um, very rewarding to get through. And it's so funny because I never really knew about that type of game. You remember maybe one of the first podcasts we ever did, like in 2013, you were talking about, I think you were talking about Demon Souls specifically. And I was like, I have no idea what that game is. And you're like, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's like this, like punishing risk reward game, you know, of, uh, uh, balancing stamina. And, and so it's funny to come from that point six years down the line trying to play this game. And I'm just like, man, I wish I didn't know about any of these because I, while it's a fun game, it's so upsetting. I was playing it. I had it running to the uh, TV and Kat and her dad were here. We were having dinner and he's like, he likes to watch me play video games because he doesn't play them anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we put it on the big screen and I was fighting one of the first ogre bosses in Sekiro. If you have the access to fire, it's a pretty easy fight. But if you don't, then it's extremely brutal. And I got through one of his life bars and almost right down to the end of it. 
and uh, he just picked me up and power bombed me into the ground. And it's like, if the, if the dude gets a hold of you, it's like instant kill. And then I just turned the game right off. I was like, fuck this, I'm done. It's one of those games. Like, you will have a really good run and you'll be right there at the edge of like, you like see glory. And then they just fucking take it away. And so uh, definitely feels like uh, analogous to life. You know, you're almost there. You almost got it. I think it's a really cool game. And, there, you know, I think we had spoken previously there was maybe some talk around accessibility uh, in that game because of the difficulty of the uh, Soulsborne style games. I think that's maybe the term we use now uh, to describe those. But people with disabilities trying to access games like that. And we I don't know, it's kind of a dichotomous thing because on one hand, a lot of the things that a lot of the things that make that game good are centric around the difficulty. Mm hmm. There was an interesting conversation recently around that kind of stuff and whether there should be an easy mode or a way for people that have accessibility issues to be able to enjoy that game. Uh, and like I said, I'm kind of a two minds of it because I don't, I don't know exactly how you balance a game like that in a way that, I mean, I guess you could give somebody a buff that makes them a little bit more powerful, but you, it lacks some of that punch that the game has. Yeah. I, I mean, so. The, the arguments that I've heard kind of pro and uh, con for like a different difficulty level is that one, you the developer has crafted the game to, you know, be this difficult thing and to give the player the sense of accomplishment through beating something that's really hard. Um, the, the, on the other hand, it's like, well, you can still have that for the people that want that. But it's it's not really taking anything away from that if you have an easy option, right? So it's this idea of like, okay, well, are you going to go in and say, well, okay, so you beat Sekiro, but did you do it on easy or on the hard mode? Um, you know, who really cares, right? Sure, yeah. And it, a lot of that stuff, a lot of maybe some of the dialogue was around the whole get good mentality i saw that brought up a whole lot which is a kind of a toxic well extremely toxic thing in gaming in general mm -hmm. yeah i don't see any harm with having an easy mode if if it's something that a developer i don't think a developer necessarily should have to cater to any specific audience but i don't if there is a, a way for them to put in a mode like that um that is it's like tough because, you know, there's a performance or like a, a operating budget you have when you build something. And it's like, how much time do you mm -hmm. have to put into this secondary mode? That's not really the vision of the thing that you had, but is a way for somebody to access the content. Because you still want, you know, the idea is that it would still be balanced in such a way that it, you're not necessarily steamrolling through everything. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, that's another question about just kind of design and the economics of making games and stuff like that, right? Because it's like, well, you want it to be easier, but you still want it to be somewhat of a challenge. I don't know. I, th I think even just within the last year, year and a half, there has been this big push to improve the accessibility of video games. Yeah. For example, the, uh, the Microsoft controller oh, man. that they created where you can customize it for people that have different disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, making a button basically like as big as a coaster or because you know maybe a person doesn't have arms or maybe they have really restricted um, motor fine motor skills so they still want to be able to play and it's just i i don't see anything wrong with setting up a game like that uh, or setting up a game to accept those types of inputs 
It's just, is it, is a developer going to be able to make that type of thing? I, yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Within the budgetary constraint, because you know, if you're going, if you're going to do it, you also want to make sure that that mode is fun for somebody to play, mm-hmm. and it still and it still retains a certain amount of what the game is or uh, or what you had attended. So yeah, that's that's a tough proposition. I don't know that there's a, a right answer at this point, but I do agree with you that I don't think anybody should be against the concept of there being a way for somebody else to access the game whether or not you want to interact with that portion of the game is completely up to you there's an interesting little piece of text from the people that made celeste and you know they added this assist mode essentially that would allow you to cheese the levels in a way that you could get to the end of the game and the developer himself said you know I hated putting that in there because it did break a lot of the stuff that I'd worked on a long time on what made that game good and what hit really well. But on the other hand, he understood that there is another set of people out there and that he has to look at things as um, not everything is for himself. You know, Mm -hmm. he he wants to get the game out there to as many people as possible and, and make sure that uh, as many people that want to try to to play it have a chance to. And so he thought it was the right decision, even though at the time he was kind of at ends with putting it in there, uh, which I thought was interesting. And that kind of speaks maybe to that um, kind of conflict that developers might have on wanting to put something in there like that. I think also it's important to know that not everything is for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Have you ever beaten, did you ever beat like Bloodborne or Dark Souls? Fuck or? no. No, absolutely me neither, not. Me neither. And, and I've played almost all of them. I don't think I played Dark Souls 3 and I barely touched Bloodborne, but I've never beaten them. And it's like, sh- you know, should I be one of these people that's out there harping on the fact that I, you know, the game's too hard? Like, mm, no, because like, I understand that not everything's for me. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm kind of of two minds of should Sekiro have an easy mode? Like, eh. I haven't played it yet, and I, it's one that I is definitely like on my um, horizon that I, I want to play. But yeah, it's, maybe it's not for me. I'll give them, you know, the fifty, sixty bucks. I'll play it. It'll sit on my shelf for a couple years before I trade it in or something, right? Sure, like, yeah. I, but am I going to get out and start harassing people on social media because there's not an easy mode and I can't beat the game? Well, no, I don't think so. Like. I barely have any wins in PUBG and I don't have very many in Apex. Like, <laughs> should I be, should I be complaining? Because I, you know, the, like you said, the get good mentality is so shitty, but I don't know, just fucking get good, I guess. I, I uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm of two I mean, minds about this stuff. I, I don't know. You know, maybe to like backtrack to what you said that I think is interesting, maybe one piece of this before we move on to the next game is um, the fact that you and I have both actively engaged in these games, even though we know that there is little, pardon me, little to no chance that we'll actually complete them. Mm-hmm. There's still something there that draws us to that game. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it is that sense of accomplishment or difficulty or just seeing it or, or trying to, to go up against it. And it's like, am I good enough? And in some cases you do, you are, you get lucky. And that there's a certain charm to that game. Uh, Sekiro, the one thing I will say um, and then move on is that uh, it is very um, less obtuse, doesn't try to obfuscate a lot of the items or things in the game to purposely confuse you or 
push you off track or, or make it difficult to move forward. So that's kind of cool. They they definitely throw you a bone in that game. Well, one thing that you and I had talked about before, especially with like the release of Apex Legends recently, is um, again that feeling of accomplishment, right? So mm-hmm. I had played um, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds for quite a while put in a lot of time in it before i got my first um win yeah i've still never gotten a solo win in that game but it's always those last um minutes of the game where i feel like my heart is going to be out of my chest and i've had those moments where i win and i literally cannot play again for five minutes or something because i'm shaking like it's just oh so yeah much adrenaline in those last few minutes um I've won a couple rounds in Apex, and I I just don't get that same feeling. It lacks that punch. And, and, and what what uh, one thing that makes me feel that way, or has made me feel that way in the past, is when I come up against a boss in Dark Souls or Demon Souls, whatever, and bang my head against the wall for what seems like forever, and then I finally conquer it. Um, you get that adrenaline pumping you get that immense satisfaction feeling where you like you're standing up, you're cheering and you're like, okay, I need to put the controller down or whatever, because there's no way I can continue right now. I need to have that come down. So, Oh yeah, sure. And and again, like the, the analog there is PUBG versus apex. And I think apex is probably the better game. It's just more accessible. Um, kind of like what we're talking about here, but you do somewhat rob yourself of that excitement and the thrill. Oh yeah, it's it's an entirely different game. The pacing of PUBG in comparison to Apex is just like kind of night and day. Um, I like both games, and I agree. I think Apex is the probably the better designed game, and definitely the more polished game. Um, but you're right; it, it lacks um, it lacks a certain intensity mm-hmm. that PUBG has, uh, especially. In PUBG, you can the I feel like the ranged weapons are way more effective, and you could die in a second. Mm-hmm. With having the armor and stuff in Apex, you have a fighting chance, even if you get engaged without you realizing somebody's fighting you. Uh, in PUBG, if you if you kind of lose situational awareness for even a second, that can be enough for somebody to just creep on you, and it takes one bullet to kill you, and that's yep. it. So, um, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, from software, it takes a few years to release games, so it'll be it'll be kind of interesting to see if they take anything that people have said seriously for their next game, and maybe add some more accessibility stuff to it. So we'll see. Um, what else have you been playing, Shane? I got uh, I just got the uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy for the Switch, um, and the uh, Capcom games. I don't know if you're f- familiar at all. They're like 3DS games at first, and you are. Um, a defense attorney and essentially there are phases it's like anime anime attorney and it's like funny quippy attorney man like oh there's a murder let me look for the clues really quick let me use these clues and start to talk to witnesses before the trial then we go to trial and the prosecuting attorney will start to bring things up and then they'll call a witness and you'll cross-reference or yeah cross I don't know how you cross interview or whatever the hell you call cross examination. That is it. Yes. I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm still learning. Uh, <laughs> but you cross examine that witness and 
you try to find the holes in their testimony based on the evidence that you have. And once you find one of those and you start to exploit that, it opens up other things. And so they will revise their testimony. And then when they come back again, because they've revised it, they might have forgotten another detail that's centric. And you might use a piece of evidence to show that they are lying or that they knew about something. Um, and it's really, in a weird way, a puzzle game that feels very much like a turn-based combat Okay. Like you don't have health or any, well, you do have health because if you use the evidence incorrectly or badger the witness too much, you'll start to lose the favor of the judge and eventually you'll fail out Okay. because you've just tried too many options that weren't right. Um, but it's like, you know, you go and then the, you go through all this evidence and you might think that you have this uh, person on the ropes and that the, the case is over. And then the prosecuting attorney will be like, well, here's another thing. You can't prove this one thing. And that shatters the whole like five minutes you just went through on chaining this evidence together. And so it'll go into another. It's weird. It has these kind of attack and defense uh, sections of the, the trial and then interstitial parts where, uh, you look like you're going to lose. And then there's another character who'd be like, no, try. It's like the, very much the Japanese like anime, like try your best. You can do this. And it's like, <laughs> and like you'll rally and then you'll, you'll find another piece of information through like osmosis of something, or they'll give you like kind of a hint. Um, and that's really all that is. It's really cool. 30 bucks um, for three games in that series. And it's, it's the dialogue's really funny. It's silly. Um, if you're into puzzle games or, kind of like those narrative clicker games uh it, it was pretty cool i like it so far nice um played blood do you remember blood on the pc no i have no idea what that is it was when we were talking about attitude shooters back in the day uh you know like duke nukem comes up pretty often uh shadow warrior maybe is another big one that people think of another the other 3d realms joint that um where it's you know the protagonist blows a corpse up and and says some quippy line at the end of it or you start the level and somebody says something crazy but blood was like that uh except it was uh even more ultra violent um you could use an aerosol can to light dudes on fire uh it was about like fighting cultists that were trying to raise this demon or something it, it's very weird but um it was just one of those ones where it's like you blow up a guy and he'd be like, the son of a bitch must pay or like <laughs> there's no business like show business or like and it's just like this weird these weird like quippy lines or like um, one liners from like songs or like movie quotes or stuff like that that come up in the game that are um, that are somewhat related to whatever happened in the game. And so uh I tried to run that on the PC and it runs on DOSBox and ah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. the frame rate was terrible. Ah, I think yes. it might just be the way the game was designed in general when it came out because I've got to think it came out in maybe the mid to late 90s. But it's just one of those, I was just thinking about that game the other day and I was like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna, I have it on Steam for whatever reason. I bought it at some point. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, yeah, I fired it up and that was an interesting blast from the past. It, it does not have, it's like back when, uh, we didn't do WASD, we used the arrow keys and control. And so uh, yeah. I, it is very difficult to go back to doing that. It is incredibly difficult to go back to that. Or you can use like the mouse pushing forward and backward as moving forward or backward or left or right. And that's even weirder. 
I hated that as well when I tried mm-hmm. it. So, um, stupid game, whatever. Check it out. And then Hearthstone just had a uh, recent expansion come out, and uh, I might have. I might have spent $80 on Hearthstone cards. What? I like I haven't heard anyone talking about Hearthstone in forever. I thought <sighs> it was just one of those things that died off, but at the same time it's like a Blizzard property, so those things never they never truly die. Go away, but so our buddy Troy came back from California uh after being out there for a while um working in the the recreational weed industry mm-hmm, uh, as it were yeah and so um he is really into that game and he he we would just play it when he came over and i was having a really good time with it and he's one of those people it's like oh this month troy likes rubik's cubes so he's gonna buy like 20 different versions of rubik's cubes and he's gonna get really good at he's gonna get really good at figuring out all of them and here's one that's like that looks like an octagonal uh well, I don't even know what you would call it. It's not a cube, but it's like a whatever. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, but it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, and he'll just get really good. And it's like, oh, I can solve a Rube's cube in like 45 seconds or like a minute. And, and when someone like me, I can't. I don't. My brain doesn't work that way with stuff like that. And so him and his brother like got really big into Hearthstone when he came back. This is about a month ago. And so we had a party recently, and he was talking about it, and I was like, man. I just I had been really into that game before with one of my coworkers uh, that is a um, semi-pro magic player. Um, I don't mean semi-pro might be the wrong thing, but he wins competitions and was able to go fly and do contests in like other countries or other states. That's, I mean, that's pretty cool. I, that that seems like semi-pro to me. I think but... that he said at one point in like the twenty tens early 2010s that he was rated second in ohio as like and you know like a decent amount of people play in the state so yeah so he got really into playing that game with me and he was another one of those meta players that was just really focused on like the meta changing every time an expansion came out and like Mm -hmm. which cards did they ban or like how did these new cards or new builds go up against like classic builds and so uh anyway i spent 80 dollars and i (laughs) it took me it took me about a half an hour to open up virtual cards one night and sounds fun i mean it was really gratifying maybe the first 20 minutes of opening the digital cards and the last 10 minutes i wasn't even looking at the cards anymore i was like fuck (laughs) it you know what i mean i had gone through so many and i was like oh this must have been what it felt like back in the day if you played a trading card game ripping open that new pack that you just got from the store yeah exactly like oh well the magic the gathering boosters came out and it's the new season or whatever so we got all these magic boosters and it's like let's open up like 50 packs or something uh i'm having fun with that game i'm not great at it but they have a automated deck builder now and they've upgraded how that works and so it looks at your cards that you have and tries its best to synergize them with each other based on popular builds in the meta currently all right statistically so even for somebody that uh, maybe not doesn't have a lot of knowledge of the game, you can build a really competitive deck based on that kind of stuff. Huh. And so it lowers the barrier of entry. And that's a kind of a fun game to just drop in for a minute, maybe play a three-minute game, drop drop out of it and be done. Or sometimes Cat and I will be at the bar, and it's like, hey, do you want to play around a Hearthstone while we're drinking? Yeah, let's play around. I don't have to have a bunch of cumbersome cards with me or anything like that. It's like I open my phone up, we play on the phone, 
I just like the challenge, so either way, it's good for me. Uh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you ever play? Did you ever play Magic back in the day? Did you ever have a deck I always or anything had like the that? Cards because they looked cool, but I never learned to play the game. Oh man, yeah. I had a buddy uh, in uh, town growing up that was into it, and we would play. There was like a summer where I was pretty hot and heavy into it. Um, I've never gotten back into it, but I know like they have a game on steam or like a couple games on steam i think so yeah there's like a, a magic legends or something i don't know maybe i'm but thinking you're right the cards themselves looked cool as hell because they had really cool artwork on them yeah it was it was a fun game but you know you you kind of when you get into that world you get exposed to some uh interesting characters oh god well i mean wasn't uh, i'm not talking about the people on the cards so yeah you know you were it's not about uh plain stalkers or whatever you know it's Mm -hmm. more about the stinky Mm -hmm. gentleman with his ass crack hanging out yeah so what's funny is we found this place in town where it's like a board game dnd miniatures uh store okay and they also have a, a yeah, and they also have like a really, it's called Fireflies Toys and Games or something. Okay. And they also have a little bit of an arcade. So huh. we went to play pinball. They have probably a dozen pinball tables. And they have kind of a cool setup. So they have a camera that's pointing down at the table and then a big monitor above. So you can watch somebody playing without being like right over their shoulder. That's very cool. But anyway, so um, Ashley and I were poking around looking at stuff. And so they've got like a lot of the classic board games they've got stuff like pandemic where it looks like it's in like a first aid box yep um tons of card packs tons of miniatures and i was explaining to ashley and uh, a couple of our friends like yeah this is why people buy these miniatures it's you know but they also one of the cool things in this place is they probably had i don't know two dozen maybe 30 folding card tables set up in a huge area yeah and they had quite a few people there playing so like you could rent board games if you wanted um, there was people that were playing D and D stuff like that. So, um, there's definitely still a scene for that type of stuff. Oh, what? Well, where yeah. if you're not involved in it at all, you're like, oh yeah, who the fuck still plays Magic? But like, dude, people are there. Are people still playing out magic. there, hot and heavy. I mean, we purchased a decent amount of board games. I bought one recently. I'm actually running a, a D20 modern cyberpunk campaign right now. So I'm I'm playing like pen and paper rpgs as well but we like kind of alternate with doing that or board game nights but i bought this board game um probably about a year ago called mixtape massacre that's about being like an 80s slasher in a town and everyone plays as a different horror film like trope like it might be like mm-hmm. the hockey mask guy or it might be like the chucky doll guy or it might be like leatherface or something like you know analogs of those characters and your um uh, objective is to go it's like playing clue where you're trying to go in the board between to different um buildings and once you get to that building you roll a card over and it might be like you know the the twin cheerleaders or whatever and so since there's two of them there you have three dice and they have a pentagram a fist on them or a knife and if you roll uh, enough knives if you roll two or higher in that case because they would have a two defense bonus then you would kill that um, 
you would kill that card or whatever and you would get a trophy which is like an ear or a head or like a leg or something and once you have like i think eight or ten trophies then you win the game but you can also fight against each other on the board if you come up to somebody else and whoever rolls the highest on the dice will lose health and there's cards that attack you and stuff like that so i bought that and then two expansion packs came out for that and then they just ran a kickstarter and then halfway through the kickstarter they unveiled another expansion pack that they're selling at the same time so probably in all i backed that kick that most recent kickstarter and that was like 85 bucks the original game was like 50 bucks the booster packs were like 20 bucks so it's like i have so many cards they start getting you because it's like well i've bought in already so far into this game and i'm sure magic is like that for a lot of people i've put so much money into this game and building these decks that now i've got to keep going because i'm so far bought into it yeah like the idea of spending a bunch of money on a board game is so crazy to me or like a bunch of cards but i don't know it just seems like it it could be fun if you had the right group of people right you definitely, yeah, you definitely have to. And we have a couple places around here that are similar to what you're talking about, like guard, their guard tower, the soldiery. They sell those miniatures and have the areas in the back where you can play if you want to come in and like take up some space for a little bit and play with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a bar here called Kingmaker where you can go and drink beer and they have a bunch of board games that you can play and, when you go there, you pay for a certain amount of time to play that play like there. But also, if you need to learn any game, there are game masters there that will teach you how to play something uh, before you actually go in and start playing it. Hmm. So you have a better idea of what you're doing. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I, neat. Yeah, I like that. I definitely think you're right, though. You have to have the right people. If you don't, it can be I've had we've had a couple of times when we had people that don't really like to play complex board games play. And it's like uh nobody's having a good time (laughs) (laughs) nobody's having a good time so uh but what have you been up to oh dude uh so relatively recently we got um ashley has a switch so she's got um like mario party uh mario kart stuff like that she's also been playing like a lot of stardew but we had some friends over um staying with us for a little bit and we wanted to play mario party well, you had to have an extra set of Joy-Cons for that. Mm-hmm. So we ended up picking up another set of Joy-Cons and a Pro Controller. Because her and I had played some Mario Kart together, but like trying to play with a Joy-Con is I hate impossible. it. I absolutely hate it. It's not designed for human hands. No. Um, so we've actually been playing a little bit more Mario Kart recently. We were just playing last night. Uh, the Pro Controller is so clutch. So... Uh, the new Mario Party, like I think you and I had played some of that on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. It's the same one that they have on Switch, so uh, that's been pretty fun. So I think she's probably playing Stardew right now, or maybe Mario Kart. I think she, she's in another room playing. That. I saw she was playing Stardew recently, and I'm like, <laughs> damn, there's multiplayer in that. We need to get on that. She is. Um, uh, she's very into her farming simulator. So. Uh yeah, I looked at how many hours that she has in that game. It's 320. Oh, that that's excessive. Um, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I probably spent maybe like 1300 or 1400 on Skyrim over all the platforms oh I played it on. Um, but well, you know, it's not all for naught because she did, she did plant some uh, stuff around her house recently. So also, it's getting her into the yeah, spirit she's, of actually, she's physically like, yeah, she's things. using that as practical experience. So, uh, yeah, well, you know, tell her she's not to like, there's a mine in that game. So she needs to go to the mines and you start working get, in the salt get, mines in Columbia. Get you some, 
Yeah, sure. Do you guys have those? I'm sure you do, probably. Who knows? Um, And then one of the games that had come out, I want to say a couple years ago, um, you know, we were talking about like Sekiro and From games, which is funny. Uh, There was a game that came out a few years ago called The Surge. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like a Dark Souls type game, Um, you know, animation heavy attacks. You kind of have to time things right. Um, Really pretty brutally punishing if you don't get things right. Uh, but your guy is essentially in a exoskeleton suit. Um, okay. So you're kind of like working for this corporation. All of a sudden, things go wrong. You have to, you're trying to figure out what happened. So similarly to like a Souls game, you kind of um, build up your resources, do upgrades, get new weapons, things like that. And then you fight a boss. Um, so I've been playing that a little bit. It was one of the PS4, um, PSN network free games. Yeah, that's like the kind of the first one that I've been super interested in recently. Similarly to like a Dark Souls or whatever, um, I played for a little bit. I got past the first boss. I'm in the second area, and it is really, really hard. So, you know, considering it was a free game, I'm not sure how far I'm going to get into it. Yeah, it's interesting how that dynamic plays into those games sometimes when you get those like that. But it's a lot of, you know, again, like a Souls game or whatever, it's a lot about like exploring your environment, opening shortcuts. Um, things like that. So it's it's kind of cool. It's made by, a, uh, I believe, a German developer called uh, Deck 13. Okay. So it's just got kind of a different vibe to it from something like uh, Souls or Sekiro that's made by a Japanese developer. Yeah, so yeah. If you've got PSN, it's free this month. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah, that might be worth checking out. I'll have to see what's up with that. Um, we'd also mentioned Apex Legends. Uh, I've been enjoying that game. I, I really liked it at first, and then I kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, some buddies have been pulling me back into it. it sometimes the shooting doesn't feel great. Uh, I've had such a bad time with it recently that I don't think I've played it for maybe three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Something about three, it just feels a little bit off. And I know our buddy Ben has been playing a lot and has been getting a lot of wins. So maybe I need to just hook up with him. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But no one's really playing PUBG anymore in our group of friends. And. I don't necessarily blame them, but it's kind of one of the games I would like to play more of. So Yeah, I'm with you on that. If we can get some Apex going, that'd be good. Um, and then a buddy of mine at work got me into Destiny 2. So I wasn't into Destiny 2 at the rip, and I wasn't into Destiny 1 really at all. Um, but a couple of the guys I, pl- uh, I work with are really into it. So I've been playing a fair amount of that. Uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of uh, PvP in that. Yeah, Which is not something that I would have thought. Or, well, yeah, Crucible. It's not something mm-hmm. that I would have thought I would have enjoyed. But I've been... I'm not very good at it. But it's just... It's interesting. It, it's fun to play on the computer. It's good to kind of play and shoot the breeze with guys. You know, there's there's like weekly challenges and daily challenges to kind of um, tackle outside of PvP. So if you get tired of getting your head stomped in, you can kind of, you know, go around and, and replay some missions and stuff. So I've been enjoying that quite a bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I definitely feel like that was one of those games for me that when I didn't have anybody to play with, I enjoyed it far less. It's it's fun and the shooting feels really good and everything, but um, Watt and I played through most of that and the most recent expansion, um, and we would try to play it alone, kind of similarly to the Division Two, which I've fallen completely off of. <laughs> I compl- I didn't even put it on this list. Uh, 
But if I don't have anybody to play with, I just don't feel super compelled to to jump in there and continue to grind that content. Yeah, I I can't say I blame you on that. So, um, but that's been about it for me. I've I'm kind of in that part of my schedule where I'm working a lot, and so like this next week I'm on my night, so it's like eh, I'm not going to be playing anything next week for the most part. Yeah, so that kind of sucks, but uh, you know that's just the way it is on on my schedule. So. That's been about all I've been playing. So, uh, I think one of our one of the biggest uh, news stories is that PSN is finally letting people change their account names. Yeah, I cannot believe this. I don't. It, it's something that I thought would never happen. And you know, a lot of the discussion around that maybe came from the fact that they said that the IDs were so embedded in the framework of the system itself that changing them would cause issues. And lo and behold, they opened up changes and it caused issues with some games. Um, it is free for the first one. And uh, anything after that, I think it's 10 without PS Plus and 5 if you do have PS Plus subscription. So, uh, And you also retain your old ID. Like, doesn't really go away. It's just like, hmm. it's like a, a sub ID and you can choose to show that or not. So now mine says more brains and then under it shows pixels PM, um, which I thought was interesting. It, nobody can take your old ID. So it's kind of, so odd. you like wonder how many actual, um, IDs are left out there. Like unique IDs that people would want are out there for them to get even. I don't know. And then a handful of games had pretty critical issues with the change. And I looked at the set of games. Bloodborne was definitely one of them. Uh, but I looked at the list of the games and I, I just, I'm never going to play those games again. Uh, surely on the basis of, uh, the market being so saturated with video games mm -hmm. that I just don't have time to go back to some of the ones that they're on there. So, uh, but I think it's cool. They finally decided to do it. Maybe like what less than a year away from when we might see a new PlayStation or maybe a year away from when we might see a new PlayStation. I imagine, I mean, Sony's not going to be at E3 this year, right? They said it in no capacity. I think, uh, that they're going to be at E3. But they'll still do something, right? Like, like they a were saying, direct style no, thing or something. No, they're saying that they weren't even going to do a concurrent broadcast or anything like that. So I don't know if that has changed recently. Um, we're in a weird place with consoles right now. Uh, you know, with this whole Google Stadia thing, and uh, we're coming up on the next console generation, and it's like we have a, a couple power players that are kind of leveraging these new ideas of you know streaming services for games or uh streaming games in general and, and it'll be interesting to see how some of this stuff starts to shake out um as we get into uh those reveals but um microsoft feels like they really are going to put some weight behind this kind of second coming of xbox the way that their game pass stuff works and, and providing the best value uh, for the console who, I mean, they, they bought a bunch of those studios. I imagine we're going to see some exclusive games start to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, it, uh, it should be interesting. I don't know if I'll buy another console again. Well, it's kind of like a cycl cyclical thing, right? Cause like the PS2 was out and that's when the original Xbox came out and the PS2, as everyone knows, was like a huge powerhouse console. Yeah. Then they kind of went like Sony went a little crazy with the PS3 talking about like the cell processor. Mm -hmm. And so the Xbox 360 came out and it was super popular. Um, 
But then Xbox said, oh, well, we're going to be like your one source of entertainment. We're going to have TV. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. Um, they were trying to like come out of the gate with like the always online thing. Yeah. Also their stuff, which is kind of ironic now because Google's basically saying the same thing, you know, what, six, seven years later. And they're not catching nearly as much flack just because of the way that the market has changed. So now we're heading into the next generation. I heard some rumors that Sony was saying things like, oh, well, we want to focus on like serving up streaming and movies and music and stuff. So it's like they're kind of repeating the mistakes of the past that Microsoft made. Sure. And Microsoft is learning from their mistakes and saying, oh, well, we're going to buy these studios. We're going to have exclusives. We're going to focus on games. Um, They're kind of like, it seems like they're becoming more of a consumer friendly. So it's like, it's like this back and forth thing, right? So it'll be interesting to see. It was interesting to see so many people go from Xbox 360 to PS4 after the next generation. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see that again where people go from PS4 to whatever the next Xbox is and then Sony kind of gets left behind again? Yeah, yeah, they do seem to be kind of resting on their laurels when it comes to um, their stance on, like you said, being... Um, a positive consumer facing company. They just don't, they, because they have such a lead in this console generation, they just seem to not give a fuck. I'm surprised this name change thing even happened. Like they have no incentive incentivization to do that other than getting the money, uh, for these name changes. I, that I, was like the, the cross platform play, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that came to a head with Fortnite because it was just the, you know, 800 pound gorilla in the industry. And Nintendo's kind of saying like, yeah, we'll let cross-platform. Uh, PC doesn't really care. Uh, Microsoft, in a move to engender some goodwill, is like, yeah, we'll definitely let you guys, you know, play cross-platform, no problem. And Sony's like, we have no reason to support that. Um, we're going to listen to the customers, but for the most part, whatever, we don't really care. And uh, you know, if they don't have to, they don't have to. But eventually. They're not always going to be in front, right? No, and you start to lose those good that good faith from the people that you've built over the time of of uh, kind of structuring your brand and and the the lifetime of the the hardware itself. Um, I'm all for the democratization of games and getting it out there to the most people possible and being able to play with everybody. Um, so. I think that it, you know, as much as I don't like Fortnite, it kind of was definitely a net positive, um, for the industry at large. Uh, things like Fortnite and things like Rocket League on, and pushing, um, these developers to, uh, open that, that floodgate up a little bit because I don't think it's an issue of compromising quality of your infrastructure or experience. I think that that's a cop out when you say that. Um, you could have a bad experience playing on whatever console. It's not limited to one specific type of um, community. So, yeah, open it up. I mean, obviously, you know, when all this stuff happened, Nintendo and, and Xbox were out there almost immediately saying, like, hey, we, our games will play together. You know, like, mm-hmm. why, why does it Sony play the games together? And um, Phil Spencer really seemed to want to go at... Um, the Sony execs on just being these really cold businessmen. He's done a really good job with humanizing himself in the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I never thought that I would look at Xbox and be like, Oh, that's like Xbox is like 
the the common it's like the blue collar man's gaming console you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. but it seems yeah. it kind of seems like that's the the kind of direction that they went in or or you know like here here's the all-inclusive platform mm-hmm. so yeah that's interesting and you know speak yeah speaking about like new consoles coming up um the nintendo switch has been pretty popular but there's been rumblings as well about new uh versions of the switch coming out uh, it sounds like there might be two new versions coming out, like a more powerful version and then sort of like a light version meant for like on the go. Yeah. So it's curious to see what, like, for example, what they'll do with the batteries. It'll be curious to see what they do with screen tech. Um, you know, will the cheaper model, will it have detachable Joy-Cons? Because if you have all that integrated into it, that's got to be cheaper than having that extra connection well, and to a certain extent, to, like um, to a certain extent, the way that I play that console, I would rather have that. Uh, I'd rather it just be a handheld. I don't ever dock mine anymore. And I mean, um, I think that there, obviously there's, they made it as they made it to be able to dock because there is a use case for both. But um, I would totally, I don't want to buy in on one that's cheaper. Well, and secondly, I have to say, um, Two weeks before this news came out, I bought another Switch for myself. Yeah, I bought my own Switch because Kat had hers and she had dropped it and it damaged the back of it. And so I bought a new back for her as this really cool like atomic purple Mm -hmm. old school Game Boy Mm -hmm. back and put a new back on hers and then bought my own. And I was like, you have your own Switch, I have my own Switch. (laughs) And... um and so before I bought it, I was like kind of talking to her. I was like, do you, do you care if I use the money? Uh, you do care if I pull the money out of savings and I'll just put it right back in the next paycheck. And she's like, no, I don't care. But do you think like new switches are going to come out anytime soon? And I'm like, no, there's no way. You know, like we probably would have heard about that by now. And then like two weeks later, of course, this is all hearsay currently. But I mean, the Wall Street Journal has um, has had some leaks like this that ended up did that, uh, that ended up coming to fruition. Um, and I definitely think it matches Nintendo's MO of continuously iterating on a base hardware over time. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, how many versions of the 3DS did they release? Yeah. 3DS, 2DS. They had the 3DSi. They had like the new 3DS. They had, yeah, they had quite had a, a few 3DS. versions of that. So, well, and they had the new 3DS XL and the new regular new 3DS and you know, those two sizes. And then there's like a... 2ds clamshell that mm-hmm. ticks the 3d out of it for a cheaper price point so yeah they i think um i'm i'm very interested in this more powerful option the only thing that maybe kind of steers me away from that is that when the new 3ds came out there was this big talk about you know this this new hardware architecture is going to be able to play these new games there's going to be specifically designed games for the 3DS that are going to take advantage of this you know new computing power and then essentially they put out a bunch of SNES games mm-hmm. that that you could only get on the new 3DS yeah and so on one hand i don't i don't want any games to be locked behind a specific type of hardware i won't, i mean i don't want it to be one of those things where because you only have a certain like a switch one that you can't play these games that doesn't that's not right like there that's definitely a bad way to do business but at the same time it's like i'm worried that they're going to pull another thing like that or maybe we'll get games that are going to be developed maybe more for this pro version of the switch uh that don't perform as well because you know there are already kind of issues on the switch in general with the frame rate of some games that have come out 
and they generally get better over time. But um, you kind of wonder if companies start to look at being able to market some of these bigger, maybe AAA experiences on the Switch, uh, and they can develop them for that more premium hardware. Do they start to have issues with the base version of the game not running as well on those older sets of hardware? I don't know. When are we supposed to hear what uh, what these like new versions of the Switch are supposed to be? E3, which is what, in June, I think? Yeah, so we're, so we're getting there. I mean, <laughs> that's... <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that, yeah, we hear about the new Switches. I hope we hear about the new consoles, you know, if they're going to be in 2020. I think that's what we've been hearing rumblings of. But, like, at the same time, we talked at the opening of the, the show that, like, we both have pretty good computers. Like, I'm kind of looking at a GPU upgrade, but... I don't know. I, I'm probably not going to buy a new console right away. You know, if they, if they come out in 2020, I don't think I will. The only, the only thing that would pull me into that would be a new Forza. Like I'm a Forza guy. So, but with the recent ones, they've had those available on PC. Yeah. The play anywhere stuff with Xbox, uh, and Microsoft Windows Live has, yeah, opened up. That was the only game I wanted an Xbox for, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And now that I can play it on PC and it runs at 60 frames per second, and it mm-hmm. looks so good. I'm just, I just, you can't go back from that. That game operates completely differently when you're not at, locked at 30 frames a second. It just feels different. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so let's go ahead and close it out on some, some last Switch news. It's kind of light this week, so I didn't find a ton of stuff, but, um, the Switch, uh, so there's been kind of some previous stuff on the Nintendo Labo. I don't know if we, I think we might have, I don't, I think we might have quit podcasting before before uh, Labo came out, or maybe yeah, we, I don't think we talked about Labo. Um, so it's the cardboard attachments to the Switch uh, hardware, mm-hmm. but they're doing VR support, and it's not like a head strap or anything. It's like you put your Switch into this set of goggles, and then you hold it up to your face. So kind of like a Gear VR, like the Samsung phones were doing. Yeah, but the Gear VR had a head strap on the back. Mm-hmm. This is like literally you just hold this thing up to your eyes like a viewfinder or whatever those things were back in the yeah, the yeah, 90s. Yeah. yeah. So they announced that there's going to be support for Mario Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild. And Odyssey has three uh, new smaller missions that involve collecting musical notes and coins that are set in the Cap Kingdom, Seaside Kingdom, and Luncheon Kingdoms. Hmm. But it sounds like it is specifically tailored towards a VR experience. Okay. Breath of the Wild, apparently the entire game is in VR, except for the pre-rendered cutscenes. And I just don't understand how that works. Do you hold, do you hold like the switch to the, to your face and then have your fingers on the buttons and are like playing the game with your face looking you at could a viewfinder? Do, like, the, uh, you could do like the Virtual Boy where you have like a tripod and then you stick your head into it. Oh man, that's a really good point. <laughs> they're 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 bringing back all the old favorites, right? Yeah. So, so I guess, and maybe something I hadn't thought about in terms of VR is maybe it can have that 3D depth, but not necessarily have the spatial movement of like mm-hmm. looking around in the same way that VR does. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, Nintendo, uh, the kit's 80 bucks, and Nintendo is saying it is the most immersive, robust Nintendo Labo kit to date. Uh, whatever that means. I have, yeah. uh, I have a half built Labo set in the, um, office that I'll probably get around to building someday. I don't, I don't know. We built about half of it and it took so long, uh, that 
I kind of fell off of it. So yeah. I have a half-built Nintendo Labo set. Yeah, uh, it definitely seems like it's aimed towards kids, which I I get, uh, and that for that reason, it's kind of cool. But um, that kit will have a programming tool that can be used to create VR games, and so there was some interesting stuff they did with the piano labo where you could put um, shapes into it, and the IR on the controller was inside of the keyboard, mm-hmm. and it would look at the shape that you made and then make a essentially a MIDI uh, noise based on that waveform huh. of whatever shape you put in. And so that was kind of neat. And when you played it, you know, it, depending on what shape you had created, it played a different noise. So that kind of stuff's neat. I definitely think there is some cool potential in some of this Labo stuff. It just not, not for me specifically. Yeah. That's one of the things that like when I saw that coming out, I was like, eh, yeah, that's not for me. I, I don't know. Not, not too interested in that. So Eh. yeah not everything needs to be for me yeah exactly that's how i feel about it so well i think that's gonna close it out man you have anything coming up you said you're working mostly nights so you probably won't be yeah i will uh i'll be dead to the world for the next week or so and uh and then i'll have a week off after that so probably I don't know. I, I may pick up Sekiro. I may pick up the Division Two. Um, yeah, I want to check out that Risk of Rain Two game as well. I know we were talking about. Yeah, we we were talking about that uh, yesterday. I I might pick that up because that's what twenty bucks. Yeah, it's small small uh, cost of entry on it, but it seems like it. There's a decent amount of stuff there currently, and it's still in early access. But it definitely seemed like it was. Um, it was. There's a lot of content there so far, so hmm. that sounds cool. Yeah, I might look into that. You got anything on the horizon? Oh shit! Not really. I'll probably continue to play Sekiro and get extremely frustrated by it. Um, <laughs> get some more Phoenix Ride in, try to get through that. But I can't think of anything that's coming up soon. That Days Gone game comes out soon, but I've only heard bad things from pre-press about it. Um, I'm still kind of on board with this whole zombie thing. You know what? Actually, to to mention the zombie thing, there is a new World War Z game coming out soon. That is kind of in the style of Left 4 Dead hmm. that looks actually like it might be a decent game, which that movie sucked. And I wouldn't imagine anything great would come out from that property, but I'm anxious to see uh, what ends up happening with that. Did, so, did you ever read the World War Z book? I did. I liked it. Yeah, the book was good. And then I heard the movie sucked. I was like, well, it fuck. didn't. Yeah, it didn't do any of the stuff that the uh, it didn't do much if if anything from the book itself it was just a brad that classic annoying response well the book was better the book was better Uh, (laughs) it's not usually wrong so yeah um but yeah that's that's about it um starting to do more podcasts i got a we got a new site going up soon um it's not up yet but i'm going to preload these i'm going to use a different um podcast host this time so if the squarespace site ever goes down because pixels per minute just redirects to this new site that i've built so i want to put the podcast in a place where if i take a squarespace site down they don't just go away because i accidentally fucked up and, and i deleted the site and i shouldn't have and it was just like oh yeah all your shit is gone and i was like <laughs> uh and i have all the files in um in like Google Docs, but it's like, all right, now I have to see if these are the raw edited one or if they're edited or raw files. If I saved uh, everything, yeah, yeah, do yeah. I then like, am I going to update? I don't know if I'm going to get around to updating all of our old episodes, but this will be filed under pixels per minute instead of pixels per minute podcast, which was that podcast. And so we're just do a reboot, I guess, on this. 
uh, yeah, dude, and start doing some podcasts again. It's about fucking time. Absolutely, man. All right, well, Eric. all right. It was good talking to you, Shane, and uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, gaming a little bit more coming up. We'll be some some straight up gamers. So I'm telling you, man, PC gamers for life. Yeah, PC for life. Get good scrubs. <laughs> Later, Eric. Later, man. <laughs>